And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Well, Kevin Fletcher is back with us. I don't know if uh, you remember hearing him last year. Kevin did, uh, or Gina Williams actually wrote an article about Kevin and the project that he did um, uh, over a period of like a year from December of 2019 to 2020, I believe, uh, on the Avenue of the Avenue of Roses, uh, which is a street in uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, sort of a lockdown. T- well, I know I take that back because he started before the lockdown, but uh, uh, we did a story about it in the magazine, and now Kevin has turned it into a book, and. So he's going to talk about that experience and whatever else we have to talk about. So, Kevin, welcome. Thanks for coming back with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, before we get into things, for those who don't uh, don't know you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Kevin Fletcher. I have been an image maker my entire adult life. Probably started as a kid. However. <laughs> And uh, my main job, quote unquote job, is as a director of photography. So I do um, my, I earn a living making motion images, most, mostly in the commercial realm, though I am starting to do, to do more narrative work. And, um, but as a side passion, I've always been a still photographer. And recently, I, like you mentioned in your opening, I spent a year photographing on a single street in Portland, Oregon. It's a street called 82nd Avenue of the Roses. And um, and then I submitted it to Lens Culture and I won an award through Lens Culture. And, but the project was much bigger than those 10 images. And so because of that award, I decided I would follow through with the project and complete it as a book. And that book is now out. Yes, it is. And Kevin told us about it just a few weeks ago. I immediately bought a copy because I was familiar with at least part of the work, the 10, 10 images. And I got it. I was on vacation for two weeks. And when I got back, it was there the day I got back. So I've got to thank you for that. And I got one of the, I got one of the first uh, 82 copies, right? Yeah. I got number nine and it's signed. And I think that's super cool. So thanks. It's, you know, it's going to my collection. I've been building a collection of uh, monographs and and trying to buy uh, buy ones from uh, you know people we know. Oh, that's great! So super cool. So Kevin, let me start out. Um, I want to talk about some other things, but I, I've got to ask you this. Okay, Kevin's Kevin opens his book. He wrote. Did you write? You wrote the opening yourself, right? The you mean on the final page that? Yeah, on the final page or summary, whatever you call it. Is there an official name for? Yeah, there is an official the, name. That, that kind of a thing at the end of a book? That section, well, I, first of all, I worked with a designer, so he was very helpful in helping me guide this book. But that page is called a colophon. Ah, I, oh, like, okay. I did. I, I learned a lot in this process. There you go. And yes, I wrote, uh, I wrote what was in the colophon. It's, um, if you don't do anything, if you don't even read this book, you'll have to read what Kevin wrote, the, the colophon. It, it, it's a story. Oh, I'm not going to read it to you here, but it's a story. He meets a guy on the street corner carrying two buckets. 
the guy quotes Shakespeare to him and sounds like he's had a hard life just just from the story it's, it's so it's so well written and i think it um it, it has just so much soul and character i think you um you know what a way to open the story the guy's name is michael um and i just have to ask you you said you took a photo of michael yes where's the picture it's uh, i can't find it in there it's a profile picture <laughs> But oh, oh, maybe I didn't. It didn't have the buckets in it. No, it's just it's pretty tight of his face, and there's okay. A, there's like a, some headlights of a car behind him, and they kind of okay light up his eye. Not as all right. It's in there. I was I was afraid you left it out on purpose, but that's no. <laughs> but good. Well, as I was, I'll find it now. I remember seeing the profile. I just I didn't make the connection. Yeah, as I was shooting, I was taking notes, writing people's names down, taking notes and, and then writing as I went. I, I don't consider myself a writer, uh, but thank you very much. I appreciate very well the written. kind words on that. Very, very well written. I was, I was wondering if maybe Gina Williams helped you with that. She's such an accomplished writer. Yeah, no, that was... She's close. Yeah, she is a so, writer. Yeah, so did you, um, did you publish this yourself? I remember you were trying to find a publisher and somebody who's trying to charge you a lot of money to publish it. I guess if you're going to pay all that money, why not do it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So after I won the lens culture award, which, you know, was really, I mean, it was just, a, that's a, that was amazing. I was. Yeah. Blown, it's quite an honor. I was honored by it, blown away by it. Really. Again, I, my life is not as a still photographer. So that was, that really felt amazing. A, a publisher reached out to me and said, that they would like to work with me to publish a project based on that. And could I put a proposal together? And I, I was flattered beyond belief. I put a proposal together, sent it to them. And then we set up a phone call and chatted about it. And what it came down to, and I, I won't say who it was, but what they told me was a, it cost $60,000 to publish a book. And I would need to come up with $30,000 and I would pay them. And in return, they would give me a thousand books, which I could sell on my own to recoup the money. And then also um, what had worked in the past is that I could do crowdfunding, get the money back. And, and my original reaction was, I got to figure out how to do this. I've always wanted to have a book published. So, mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't want to do it blindly. I wanted to do some research because that, that's a lot of money. And I started to research and I, I started to realize that I could, that I, basically I was getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where the $60,000 number came from, but literally, literally I was being re ripped off. So I, I don't know. That's a just as people go into this, just, just be careful. So then I started doing a lot of research. I started talking to printers around the country, started talking to, to friends and photographers who had done books. And I just started to learn how this whole thing comes together. And um, I sort of charted my own path and figured out how to do it. And so I self-published the book. Okay. That's what I thought. It, it, yeah. It's, I've got to tell you, I mean, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. I, I think it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It has, maybe I even used this term before about your colophon. 
I've got to write that down before <laughs> I forget it. I thought that was a, a way to put fonts in a website, but anyway, uh, it's it's got soul. I mean, you can you can feel the street, you can see it. Um, it it goes far beyond the story that that we published. Um, obviously, it's got more pages. You can touch it. You can feel it. it it's beautiful. You did a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. I really. Yeah, uh, I'm not just saying that to make you feel good. <laughs> well, you are. But I'm gonna I'm gonna treasure this. <laughs> I mean, it's been, yeah, it's been, um, I, I must say, I, you know, in my, in my commercial career, my job, I put stuff out in the world and, and, and I always feel like, you know, you're not, when you look at my reel, for example, you're not really looking at my reel, you're looking at me. And I always feel like that's me uh-huh. there. And that, but this book is, that feeling is tenfold because this, <laughs> this really was, really was me you know, on the ground, making these images and thinking about this place and wanting to tell a story about it. And so, um, so I'm, I'm really flattering to hear you say that. And I appreciate it. You, um, you know, you put a lot of time into it and it paid off. And I think, I mean, you must've taken thousands of photographs, I'm sure. Yeah. There's not hundreds. Yeah. Oh no. Thousands. Uh, I think around 12,000. Really? Wow. And well, I mean, I was photographing for a year and I think we spoke about this in the last podcast, how I, I didn't edit myself. If I was, yeah, if I was feeling something on a certain day, I just pursued it and, you know, I photograph a puddle, <laughs> none of which, none of those puddles made the final book. But one of the other things I did that didn't make the final book is, uh, a lot of the photography that, that you don't see in the book is just, um, it's quite, um, I don't know the word. I don't want to say boring, but I, I realized I was working also on a, a kind of an architectural or or a record of this place. So there's mm-hmm. a lot. I took a lot of photographs of just existing buildings because in the future those will become quite interesting. The cars, mm-hmm. what those buildings look like, that corner, and um, I had done a lot of historical research of this street, so I knew what you know was looking like in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, and so. This project is um, all part of that, and and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure I'll do this, but I can see maybe in ten years, redoing the project again, and then this becomes um, a compendium of ideas over time. Oh, really? That's a good idea. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, I know. There's a guy we featured in a magazine, um, several years ago. He lives in my town. Uh, Bill Emery's his name, and he's been photographing here for. 30, 40 years. And he keeps it all on a blog. And so you can go back and you can see these buildings you walk by every day 40 years ago, 30 years. And it's it's so interesting to see these things. Yeah, I love so that. I, you know, it's, it's, you've got a good start for that. Yeah, exactly. And, Pete, and interestingly, since the book came out, people have been emailing me, hey, do you have a photograph of... Uh, People that I know, people from all over the city, do you have a photograph on this corner? Do you have a photograph on that corner? (laughs) One of the other things that I did, which I I didn't realize would turn out the way it did, but I've been so wonderfully pleased by it, is if you bought a book, it's only been out for a couple of weeks, but if you bought a book locally here in Portland, um, I made this decision that I would deliver it to people. Mm -hmm. And and I, I don't know, really, I honestly don't really know why I made that decision. And at first it seemed like a real pain. I was like, wow, that was, 
that was a dumb decision because now I'm having to drive all over the city. But <laughs> but what's happened is is I have met all these incredible people who have bought this book. Um, I guess it's been moving around social media, and so people have found about it out about it in different ways. And it and it's just been incredibly heartwarming to talk to Portlanders, and it just yeah. really brings me back to part of the reason I started the project, which was because I felt like I felt like I wasn't I didn't know my city in the way I should. Portland has grown like crazy, and I. Felt mm-hmm. a little bit distanced from it and unconnected to it, and so shooting the project was part of me forcing myself out into the into the world, into this city, and into knowing it. And then now, even with the book, that continues, and that's been really that's been really a wonderful, unexpected. I don't know the word. It's just it's been great that that's happened. Yeah, that was a great idea. So there must have been a lot of local people buying your book. Yeah, it's not a lot. I mean, I I, yeah. I have this book out. The first edition is only 164 copies. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I told myself, well, if I can sell that, I'll I'll do a second edition. But sales are far beyond what I expected. So I I expect I'll be able to sell all the all of the first edition, which is cool. And like yeah. I said, 82 of those uh, had a stamp made, and you get a print, and I sign it, and um, you know. It's, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just been a really fun adventure. Yeah. So are you selling it at Powell's? I wish. Uh, oh. And so far it's only uh, just um, on social media and through my website is how you can get it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a place in itself. Yeah. Powell's Books is an incredible place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're talking about something in Portland, Powell's Bookstore. Was it Powell's New and Used Books in Portland? What what a cool place. Such a cool place. You know, bookstores have gone the way of the dinosaur, but that one looks like it's going to be around a long time. Yeah, and on the upper floor, well, it's moved a few times, but on the upper floor, they had a wonderful photography book section, and I've spent hours up there. Yes, uh, my wife and I went up there, and I sat down and she couldn't get me out. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. It's the only time I've been there. Great, great city. What a wonderful city. Didn't get a lot of great press during the... No. <laughs> dur- during the, you know, during the presidential campaign times, but... Yeah. But... It was complex you know, here, for sure. Yeah, it's complex. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. The book is not laid out in a traditional, I, I would say, in a, it's laid out in somewhat of a non-traditional pattern or format. And I was curious to know what you thought of that. I like it a lot. Um, that's one of my questions for you. Oh. But uh, no, I, I do. I, I, I like it a lot. It, it, um, I think, you know, had you do it in a more traditional format, it, w- it wouldn't have been as interesting. That's you know, because you do, you just have the same pattern over and over right. again. And so I think that it, it breaks it up really nice. And I was going to ask you how you made these decisions uh, as to, well, I'll save the other one. Uh, yeah, for example, I mean, you've got, you know, uh, two photos, you know, um, what's it called on facing pages mm-hmm. on some pages, you've got, you've got one photo that, that bleeds out to about half of the other page. 
some some spreads you have only one photo and uh and others you know you've got facing pages of photos and i just wondered how how you decided to do it that way i assume your designer had a lot of a lot of input into that yeah frederick i should give i should sh- give a shout out to the person who helped me his name is frederick Avrin, and he he he's a book lover an absolute book lover and so he takes was willing to take on this project at a great discount <laughs> i must say he was incredibly helpful simply because he loves books and designing books so that was part of the, of what made this affordable for for me to do was um him him helping out in that way and then um his, his theory about designing books is that you design the book from the inside out so we just started, uh-huh. yeah it's interesting you don't start with the cover the cover of that book came later which i th- i thought was beautiful and from now on if i ever get to do another book i'll i'll be thinking that way um and he just spent a lot of time asking me a lot of questions um about what i wanted from the book and i guess for me i mean i love photo books but i i approach the book more in the way i think i would a film edit you know, kind of relying on what I did know, which is more editorial because of my motion career. And so I wanted it to feel like an edit where it had space and movement and breaks and time. But I also wanted it, I didn't want to do it just because that's what you would do in an edit, but also because when I was photographing, that's what it felt like. Sometimes the street was really in your face and it was big and you were getting rained on or sometimes things were really small and far away and you kind of had to go searching for them. And so I kind of wanted the experience of my photography to match the way the book was laid out. And he was really helpful in helping me find that and, and help, helping find patterns that I couldn't see. Because I think one thing that happens is you get lost. I, I did. Maybe other people don't. I got lost in the work. I sometimes couldn't see it. So he was able to. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Why does he recommend designing it from the inside out? What's what's the thinking behind that? I think because that is the book. <laughs> it's real easy to get fixated on the cover. And uh, when I was first that's, yeah. rolling this around my head, I was thinking, oh, I got to design a cover and then I'll start. And, but that wasn't. And he was right because really what we did was develop a, store, a kind of story or a, uh-huh. an idea of what the viewer would experience that I think led to, and he came up with the cover design, which I just love. I think it's really a really interesting cover design and really talk uh, to me is, is really about that street. And yeah. So you talk about the story. I mean, how, how did you develop the story? Did the, did the story, did the story come to you after looking at all of your work that you created over the year or did it? Did you know it from the start? And then you set out to tell that story. Um. Wow, I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know if I have an answer for that. I, I know. Yeah. I wanted it to feel linear in a way, and I know I wanted mm-hmm. it to feel kind of in and out, where you had to move in for some images and maybe back out for some images. Uh-huh. I knew that, but then having another a partner is is really what opened it up 
because I, I don't know that I could have seen it. And he also was incredibly instrumental in the sequencing because that was really hard for me. Yeah. I, that was another question. I mean, how, how did you make the choices? How did you decide to pair the photos that you did in the spreads? Was there a connection between them or sometimes, something? yeah, sometimes it was visual. Sometimes it was like, like, sometimes it was compositional. Sometimes it was visual. Sometimes because I think, um, sometimes I think I wanted to say something, but sometimes I think I didn't want it to be see and say, like I didn't want it to be obvious. Uh-huh. And it, uh, a lot of it was just a, a gut feeling, really. Just kind of like when you're photographing, you have a gut feeling that something's about to happen or something, and you just mm-hmm. trust it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, also, uh, the colors. I, I really love the, the colors. They're, I guess, sort of muted. I mean, you know, Portland, I guess, can be kind of a gray place, rainy place at certain times of the year. You know, coming from a, a place that's probably actually cloudier than Portland. I, you know, I could, I could get that feeling. Um, are, are those colors, is that what came straight out of the camera or you process them to, to look that way on purpose? Well, I shoot everything raw. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, the colors and interpretation of what, of what, how you, what you impose mm-hmm. upon the raw data. Yeah, sure. And then I think also some a lot of that color comes from um, my cinematography career and the way I just have mm-hmm. the, like a just a the taste I have for color. But yeah. also um, some of that came from the way from paintings um, mm. and how rich skies are in paintings. So that that was definitely a part of it. And also I think um, skies here in Portland are quite quite unique particularly in the winter and cloudy and in urban areas they take on a tint oftentimes because there's so much moisture in the air so some of it's just happening naturally too so you said you got a lot of help from frederick is he local in to portland yeah he is local uh a photographer that i had spoken to who had recently done a book he had done a book um he's a younger guy and he'd done a book and he'd only done a hundred copies and he was using it as promotional piece said, Oh, you should talk to Frederick. He helped me with this book. And I was like, okay. And so I called Frederick and we, and we just hit it off, but also, um, so yes, Frederick is local to Portland, but also it was, this whole project is Portland based. So shot it here. Um, Frederick lives here. I found a printer locally here in Portland. And then, you know, oh. and I, I decided to, um, deliver all the Portland books myself. So um, that's always been an, a, a, an integral and very important part of the project that it is Portland based and remains here. So, because it was about this city, so I didn't. I wanted to. That was that was that was key. It does. It, yeah, it is about your city, but it's it's about every place else too. I think. I mean, every city has has an eighty second. What's it called? Eighty second Avenue of the Roses. Is yeah, that the, exactly. The property. Yeah, everybody's got a street like that. I mean, it's different. But there's that street. Yeah, we spoke about this a little bit last time, and really, and and this has been a really interesting conversation since the book came out because people will get the book or they'll call me or talk about. It. Everybody has a story or something to say about 82nd Avenue, but you know there are plenty of streets in Portland, like I don't know NATO Parkway or 
and they don't have a story about it, but something about this street elicits something emotional in people or something historical. My dad lived there or, you know, it's just incredible. But every city, I think, has a street like this. Like you said. Yeah, they do. Back when I lived in Cleveland, we had a road called Brook Park Road. When I started looking at this, I said, gee, that reminds me of Brook Park Road. (laughs) Exactly. And I was just shooting, I was just in Orlando and they have, uh, the, like, is it called the Orange Blossom Trail? I think I am going to look this up. Yeah. So anyways, um, every city has one. And, um, and when I was a kid in the town I grew up in, um, we had Nevada Avenue and that was, yeah, Orange Blossom Trail in Florida. It's a, and it's a very, it has a lot of similarities to this and also a great name, the Orange Blossom Trail. Sure. I, I can just picture it. There's yeah. orange groves and <laughs> beautiful sun. Exactly. And it's probably not. No, not at all. feels very similar <laughs> to 82nd Avenue. But, uh, and, and also 82nd, so I, um, to, I, I, fi- I finished shooting like you said, in 2020, and then about only a couple months after the pandemic hit. And the weird silver lining of the pandemic is that I had time to work on this book. I don't know that I would have had the same amount of time that I could have put into it without without that. And so that's been an interesting part. Probably not. It would probably still be sitting there. Yeah, because it took, you know, it it did. I will say that for anybody who wants to do a book project, it, it took a lot. It took a lot of time. More than I thought. Oh, I thought, oh, we could just put some pictures together and we'll be good to go. But it was a lot yeah. more than that. I, yeah, I, I know several people have published many books, and it's like years. Yeah, exactly. It takes it, it takes them years to put, even if they've had the photos for a long time. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going through twelve thousand photos and making those final choices. Yeah, again, it was a lot of that was I knew wasn't in the book, but, um, I, and I think I, I don't know. Cause I, I knew when I was, when something wasn't happening and I, I kind of knew when it was. And so it was, I, I knew more or less where the real storytelling pieces were. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So which, which is your favorite photo in the book? Do you have one? Oh, wow. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Yeah. Hmm. I think, I think that there's a photograph of a group of men under a bridge. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd say that's my favorite photograph, but I do love that photograph. And also that photograph. I think we spoke about this in the last podcast. Yeah, I think you I think we did. That photograph changed was a changing point for me in the in the project um, because I'd been shooting for a few months and and it seemed kind of superficial and graphic and not that interesting. And then I was out really early in the morning and I, these, this group of people were under a bridge and they had this propane fire going and this, this light was coming up and I thought, I'm going to go ask if I can take their photograph. I mean, this is part of this life on this street. And, um, I was, I was pretty scared to go in there. I mean, uh-huh. Sure. Um, and but they were very receptive and I had some great conversations with them. I ended up visiting them a number of times over the course of the project and um brought some prints back for them that I'd made 
And, but so that was a real turning point. Cause I think I, at that point I knew I could, I could go deeper and really start to approach people on the, on the street. So that one has a lot of meaning to it. So before that, were you less likely to approach people? Were you shooting more from a distance? Yeah, I was much, much less likely to say, hey, can I take your photograph? And I was I was just shooting a lot of the buildings and lights and things like that. And it just wasn't, it wasn't that interesting. And then after that, I, I realized, wow, the, the people that are here, and you don't see people a lot. It's pretty, it's really car-oriented street. Cars, uh-huh. cars are a real theme in the in the project. but you know, when I did, I'd, I would just ask if I could take a photograph or hang out with them for a little bit. And people were quite open to it. It was amazing. Tell you one of the photos that really jumped out of me, and I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time with it because I just got back from my trip. I was happy to see that it was waiting for me oh, when I got there. Nice. I like, I, like the, I like the one Jiffy Lube. I call it Jiffy Lube. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've got... You've got <laughs> Sorry, it, 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 it's almost pretty funny. I mean, yeah, it is two funny. guys sitting outside the Jiffy Lube, probably waiting for their cars. And then there's four guys standing up on the roof, <laughs> all lined up together on the left. I mean, it's framed perfectly. And it's like, what the heck are those guys doing up there? Yeah, I love <laughs> I'm that. I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah. It's just, you know, if you're not out there walking around all the time, you would never see something like that. Right. And. And there are, you know, there are a lot of photographs that didn't make the book. Maybe, maybe there'll be a future edition or something um, that have that more of that kind of, I, I think, kind of odd, funny humor in it. Um, but there are things like um, there are a, a number of, well, I think there are only two, but even though I have many more, more photographs of traffic af- accidents, which I think is an interesting part of the book. <laughs> um, but that street hosts five of the most accident prone intersections in the city. So that is a part of that. It wasn't just that accidents happen. It is that that is part of 82nd Avenue statistically. So those photographs, 80, 82nd Ave, that's what you, that's what yeah. you call it there. Huh? Yeah, exactly. 82nd Ave. So after this experience with these three guys and you started connecting with people more. Did you find yourself starting to use different, like a different lens? Were you starting to use a wider lens? Looks like you use a pretty wide lens most of the time anyway. Uh, I had started more contacts when you're up close to people. Right. Good question. Um, I was using almost exclusively a 35 millimeter lens, but on a full frame. Really? Yeah. But on a, yeah, on a full frame sensor. So, in kind of 35 millimeter film terms, that's like a 24 millimeter lens. So, so, and, and occasionally I shot with slightly wider lens, but that, that was it. It was a very, it was a camera with a very very small lens. And I, I wasn't strict about it, but that's what was working and it was easy to carry. And Mm -hmm. I felt like it was wide enough for the street, but then also I, I feel like, um, when you do take a portrait and you move in closer to somebody, you can, you really feel close with a, when you're on yeah. a wider lens, you, you know, you're, you know, there's a human, a human sense of being close to another individual, even though it's a photograph. Yeah. And I really like that feeling, um, as opposed to a longer lens being farther away. And also I wasn't trying to steal any photos here. I, I really wanted to be, you know, I'm a Portlander, Portlander living in Portland and I want it to be, um, 
very upfront about what I was doing, letting people know that I was photographing the street that I'd been working on it for months. And so there was a, there was a lot of clarity in that for me. And it was important that I approach it that way. And honesty would be a, maybe a better word. Yeah. Well, just the book is very honest. Just you can tell you can tell it comes from the heart there. Oh, thank you. So what what gear were you using? What do you what do you shoot with? I shot with a Sony A7R2. Mm-hmm. So the, and the raw files are pretty big. And then the Sony yeah. the Sony 35 millimeter lens. Yeah. And again, it's a very compact system. Um, mm-hmm. very easy to use. The majority of the time I was shooting shooting manually with exposure, but there were times where I would go into full program and full autofocus and just like, just if I didn't, I don't know, some days I just didn't feel like <laughs> putting the energy into it and I would just walk and then I could pick it up, point it, get focus and shoot. And And a few photographs worked incredibly well that way. Yeah, it can. Oh, actually. I, I'll, I'll reveal something about the book. I, I never, I never thought about this until I, the book came together. There's a one photograph that was shot on an iPhone. Oh, and it is, I think, in the early stages of the book. It's a photograph, and the reason it happened was because I wasn't actually out shooting, but I, there is a photograph of a fire with silhouettes, and it's pretty early in the book and there's a cameraman and that is shot on an iPhone because I was out hey. and, and then I started hearing all these sirens. I didn't have my camera with me at that time. I, I don't remember. Where I was, it was in my car and I, and I, there, I mean, significant number of sirens, like something's going on. And I sort of followed and I was like, Oh my gosh, I wonder if that's happening on 82nd. So I drove there and sure enough, there was a fire on 82nd. But I only had my iPhone, so I started taking photographs. Then that photographs from an iPhone, so and it worked. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it was a store. It's not, you know. Again, it was a. I'm. An, I'm. I, I feel like I'm an image maker, so that it's not about the gear, really. Yeah, and yeah, and I love that photograph. No. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, I, I, I would have never thought it. I mean, you know, in the right light, iPhones make great images. They're, yeah, they're incredible. They're, they're like, yeah, I know they are. It's scary. almost scary. <laughs> it is scary. But again, it's like, how, how are you using this tool and to what end and what are you saying? And does, you know, does it work with the other images? And so in that sense, it was, it was great. Yeah. I shoot with mine all the time. You know, I go out on walks, try to take a walk every day. And yeah, I'm always photographing with it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And there are people who've really mastered it. I mean, I mean, there's entire films that have been shot on iPhone. Oh yeah. A friend of mine publishes a magazine similar to ours and it's only for mobile photography and the work that these people do in there. By the way, I'll I'll give it a plug. It's called Mobiography. And uh Andy Butler, he's the publisher. He, he can thank me later. I I keep trying to get him on the on the podcast. And uh I'm going to write so hopefully he's listening to this, but it's uh people just do amazing work with these devices. Yeah. There's a movie, an entire feature film called Tangerine. It was shot on an iPhone, and yeah, I, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's quite, quite, quite amazing. People are doing incredible things with it. Yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, my my daughter has has a dog. She's like a champion frisbee catcher. She's pretty amazing. And I was trying to, I was trying to to 
um, take stills and then videos with with my Fuji, and it just wasn't working. Finally, I pulled out my iPhone, <laughs> got some great video of her, and then of course, right on the phone, you can you can slow it down and do the yeah. slow motion. I thought, why am I wasting my time with the camera? <laughs> Amazing. I know. I I have no. Yeah, I don't think the gear is the. I don't think the gear makes the photographer. Uh, no. No, definitely not. I mean, I think some of the colors and things I was going for, you know, I mentioned um, mm-hmm. painters that I love. Like, I love this painter, Peter Paul Rubens. He did this. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that's funny. You should mention that. Now that you, yeah, now that you mentioned some of his paintings, like, uh, his, like the people coming home from the hunt. Yeah, the lion hunt. Was it Rubens? Yeah. Huh? And, like yeah. the skies and you know yes like i you, that would be difficult on an iphone so yeah the camera i used was intentional in that sense which kind of ties back into my, into again my the cinematography i do which is i i would say pretty stylized relatively speaking so i, I knew i i mean i think the work is true and legitimate i i didn't overly do things but i i i did want this kind of painterly feeling to the images so that that was intentional, and and so the kind of gear you use can allow you to do certain things, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not definitely it's definitely not the total answer. Yeah, and if you use the right gear, it'll be less work on the back end too. Yeah, exactly. Of course, that I was pretty new to that camera when I started started the project. I hadn't had it for long, and the the file sizes are enormous. So that was <laughs> that was a big thing when you start shooting that many images, like having to. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're <laughs> upgrading your storage and yeah, exactly memory and then backups and oh man yeah so yeah so but that was that was all good learn uh, this is all good learning like you know the whole process the, from the day I said oh, I'm going to do this to till now has just been nonstop <laughs> nonstop learning working with video you're used to big files anyway yeah that's true it, I guess it wasn't wasn't that big a change but. Those no. get really big. Yeah, I'm going through that now. I just, uh, I'm giving Leica a try and files are big. Yeah, yeah. They're big. Yeah, really big. But uh, I'm now, it's made me a better photographer. No, That's it hasn't. Good. That's great. That's great. <laughs> a crappy picture with, with a great camera is still <laughs> a crappy picture. <laughs> yeah, isn't it true? It doesn't matter. So what... Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your other work? Um, you, you know, you talk about being an image maker and uh, a lot of the videos you work on. Anything people would recognize that that you've done recently? Probably not recently. I mean, uh, again, I hope I, I have. I'm reading a number of scripts right now. Two, two for short films, and two for full length feature films. So I'm hoping that um, at least a few of those come to fruition this summer. I mean, the industry is really starting to open up now that we're Mm-hmm. Kind of seeing our way through COVID, uh, I have been working on another stills project, which I think is more of a bridge from from my cinematography to stills because I'm I'm playing around with some I'm mixing some gear between cinematography and still photography. I, ha- I still haven't fully figured that out. I don't want to say too much about it because I'm, I'm okay, not, sure. Because I, I I'm not sure I even know what I'm doing with it yet. Um, but I'm finding it very interesting and a little bit uncomfortable, which makes me feel like I'm in the right 
on the right path. Um, I kind of like those unknown areas. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just keep, keep plugging away at, at image making and I keep trying to not be static. Well, it doesn't look like it. That's for sure. Thanks. So you said you're uncomfortable. I mean, what's that all about? Is that a good thing? Bad thing? Right. Uh, right. This new project is making me uncomfortable because it's somewhat non-traditional and, and, and I have an idea in my head, but it's not totally clear. And so I'm experimenting with it. And there's a, there's a sense of me that this, that it could be a, a complete failure, (laughs) but I, I have over the years learned to listen to this this uncomfortable or on the edge of failure feeling knowing that I'm probably onto something interesting. And, and so I, I tend to trust that when, when I'm shooting, even back to our earlier conversation, when I walked um, up to those guys to ask if I could take their picture and I, I wanted to be very respectful to them. And, mm-hmm. and that, that was uncomfortable. That was a hard thing for me to do. And it ended up being, being great. And, you know, I built some relationships because of that. So this, this feeling is something I, I, I think is important in work, at least for me. I, I don't, I, I really, do you sense that? Do you have that when you're shooting or? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, because it's easy, you start to feel uncomfortable and the easy thing to do is to back off and not move yeah. forward. Yeah. I mean, just get back into your comfort zone. And many people don't, many people won't push p- past that or, you know, they're, uh, you know, managed by their fears. So th- I, th- I think it's a very healthy thing to do that. Yeah. I didn't, I almost didn't start the magazine. Oh, really? I was uncomfortable. I thought, who am I to do this? And, uh, I happened to, matter of fact, I listened to a, a podcast by one of my favorite podcasters, Barry Nex Perello, uh, who does the Candid Frame, and he he did a podcast it was just by himself, and he was talking about that very subject, and he said it much more eloquently than I can say. I should I should give you a link to that show. It's really worth listening to. I would love it. Please do so. And it put, yeah, it. I think it was like number two seventy eight. He's done like six hundred episodes over the years. I mean. The guy's a master, but yeah, I even wrote to him and told him about it, and uh, and it it pushed me over the edge. And I said, well, "I've I've got to take the step to do this." That was over eight years ago now. Amazing, but yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's everybody weird. feels it. So yeah, because I didn't, I don't know. I just kind of learned that, like, oh wow, and even in my cinematography, like you know, that I have some, I have shots had the pleasure and. um luck i don't know the words but to shoot some things that we we didn't know how to do we and um and we figured it out we shot them and you know people on youtube have gone gone and tried to figure out how we shot these things that we shot and but talk about uncomfortable i mean you're really you're doing something nobody's ever done before you can't call somebody up and say how do you do this you're you're figuring it out and so so i Usually when I'm in that zone, some, that, that means something interesting is happening, but it could also mean that, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, you can fall right on your face. Yeah, right? that I'm going to fall on my face. That it's going to that it will be a failure. So uh, I mean, it could go either way. But but usually it means it's some it's something interesting, and I kind of gotten addicted to it, and or or I've learned to listen to it. I don't know, probably a little bit of both. Yeah, it's problem solving. Yeah, you know, you run up against a, a barrier, and you figure out a way to to um, overcome it or not. Yeah, totally. Like this book, when I started the book, I was able, I started, I taught myself more or less in design and I was be, I was able to put a basic book together, which ended up being very helpful because I had a, a, like I had a run of photos together, but they were all the same size and it did, it just didn't, they were much more in a traditional photo book kind of way but it didn't feel mm-hmm. right. It didn't feel like the project and it felt like image, 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 you know, as you went through another book. And I'm not, I'm not against that. I, I have so many books I love that are like that, but that didn't feel like this project. So yeah. it, it really took saying, I, I really need some help to break through what this needs to be. And then, and then I had to go find that. And that was uncomfortable too, <laughs> because th- did I know I was going to be able to work with Frederick and we ended up, it ended up being an incredible, an incredible alliance. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see. Um, I can't wait to see number two. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, Unless, whatever form it's in. Well, that might be a total failure, but yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might have crates of them in your basement, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Oh yeah, let me ask you. This is more. This is a more practical thing. I, I've had people ask me this question a lot lately, and that's: Do you get model releases from these people, like these guys under the bridge? Did you get a release from them to to publish their photo? Uh, that's a great question, and I and I don't want I don't want to I don't want to come across as an expert because I'm not. Yeah, um, but I did. Uh, on a number of occasions, research what I was doing and would this be a problem? Um, mm-hmm. And my basic understanding is I, I, I'm, I want to be careful because, again, I don't want to be quoted for this. But um, if there's, you know, I, if it was in public and if, if it was for art, not for commercial work, then I'm mm-hmm. okay. But no, I did not get releases. And I don't think the project would be the same if I was asking for releases, to be honest. Probably not. And I Probably also, not. also, again, was consciously very open with people as I was photographing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to steal images of people. So people were aware that I was there and uh, that the project was about 82nd Avenue. And, and I think you can tell in the, in the, in the photographs, you know, there's no like, I mean, they're quite, I'm quite clearly right there with them. So sure. There's nothing sneaky. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's been some beautiful sneaky street photography. It's not. Oh, there is. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's incredible. I envy it. I I find that an uncomfortable feeling that I don't like. And Uh a lot of times, so that's stealing, but, um, I've done it, but in this, in this project, I didn't, I didn't want that. I would, I knew I'd have to return you know, the next day or over many months, I'd be returning to these places. I didn't want any bad feelings with anybody I met or might see again. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, thank, thanks for that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I, I'll, I'll openly and honestly, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I, 
should even speak to that because I don't know it truly legally. I, I just wondered what your experience was. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. You know, my rule of thumb, I've always been aware of if it's like, like you said, in public and it's not for commercial purposes, then you don't need one. Right. But if it's used for commercial purposes or if it's going to like a stock agency, stock agencies always, always need releases. Exactly. For obvious reasons. Then, uh, of course there, there's a use for commercial purposes. So it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I could be completely wrong. <laughs> no, I re- I'm not a lawyer. I, I definitely wanted to, I definitely researched it. Um, I just don't know that I'm so great quoting it. And it, and it was important to me that I w- was staying, staying in, in the, in the right lane, so to speak. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Kevin, thanks. Um, if you can just tell everybody where they can find your book. Oh, uh, great. Uh, yeah, the book is for sale on my website, which is kevinfletcher.net. One word, Kevin Fletcher. And um, you can see it there. And yeah, please please come check it out. And that's good. All right. Well, thanks again. And we have to do this again soon. Yeah, thank you. Let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, it seems like every once a year. <laughs> once a year. That's good. That's good. Okay, perfect. Perfect.